So welcome to the Rocking Life podcast, Rocking Life After Divorce. And I'm so thankful that you're listening today. And I've been doing the podcast now for about a month, and uh, I'm so excited. I'm getting hundreds of listeners, lots of questions coming in, and it's just, I'm so stoked. <laughs> really, really fun to, to do the podcast. And uh, I just want to share a little bit about, uh, quickly, about what the purpose of the podcast is, is to to help people that are going through or have gone through divorce. I went through divorce myself five years ago and I know how difficult it is or can be and the pain. Uh, so we created the podcast and also created a, a community, a Facebook group called Rocking Life Community. And you can see that in the link below uh, in the description. Uh, come in and join us and we'll support each other and help each other. And uh, today I want to introduce you to my guest this week, Dean Forbes. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Pierre. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I'm so happy that you uh, wanted to join the podcast. I reached out to you a while back or I actually did a survey in a group and you answered it with uh, it was very nice uh, I, I was actually surveying about the name of the podcast because there's so much stigma about divorce I was calling the podcast I am calling the podcast Rocking Life After Divorce and uh, I questioned myself should I really call it that because a lot of people are questioning you know divorce and almost people get afraid to talk about it it's like ridiculous yeah. do you have any experience yeah. with that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things now, you know, being from, let's just put it this way, being from an African American community, divorce is not something that's really talked about a lot either. I mean, oh, yeah. even when people get it, I mean, you might have, you know, single family homes and things like that. And that's, that's kind of uh, okay. But when it comes to like, you're being married, and then talking about actually getting a divorce it's not something that easily rolls off the tip of the tongue of, of people that I, I grew up around in the first place. I mean, look, my parents are married now for 49 years. Yeah. So they're coming up on 50 years. So, uh, and then being Jamaican as well, as far as, you know, an immigrant that came to this country, divorce is next a not talked about. <laughs> it's taboo subject all the way. So I totally get that for sure. Yeah. And, uh, Dean, you are, a coach. You've been a coach for 17 years and you're obsessed to improve power of influence and making an impact that matters. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have a lot of experience in coaching both business owners, businesses, and private individuals. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that in this podcast. And oh, absolutely. Uh, you went through divorce yourself a while mm -hmm. back. You shared you have two daughters, one year apart. Yep. And uh, I have four kids. And uh, the, the strife and the difficulties of going through divorce. Please share a little bit about your experience of divorce, both before going through the divorce and, and afterwards. Sure. Uh, and Peter, thanks for asking that question. And also, this is a 14-year relationship. We got married three years after we got together. So it was an 11-year marriage, which has been over since 2017, but the divorce is kind of dragged on. So yeah. the pain has actually gone on for quite a while over and over again. And, you know, Pierre, what I realized is that until you're ready to take 100% responsibility, no matter who is wrong or right or anything, if you don't take 100% responsibility for what went right and also what went wrong yeah. in the marriage, 
you're doomed to repeat the mistakes of the past. And when I say 100%, what I mean is it's not that you're blamed for this and I'm blamed for that and then, but you own these two and I own this one and then you own these three and I own these four. No, we have to own all of it because it takes two people to tangle. Yeah. And, you know, the, the biggest pain or the biggest, the biggest pain that I've experienced throughout this, this process is not just the breakup of the family unit itself, but how the husband and the wife respond to the breakup of that unit and end up using it as their own tool to justify their own victimization, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then the kids end up suffering for that. And you, you don't realize you're doing that until, you know, maybe somebody knocks you on the head or something, but that's the biggest pain of this whole thing. And I've been really trying to avoid doing that, but I know that I've ended up doing it in some way, shape or form. And, you know, we can talk about that, but that's where I, where I sit with right now. Yeah. It's uh, whenever you have children, I feel that a lot of people have a very difficult time. And uh, especially if you can't work out things together and, and be, uh, in a, you don't have to be best friends, but I think it's uh, one of the keys to to go through divorce in a in a good way to do everything you can to be as good friends as possible with your ex, and yeah. uh, and to do that, I I've tried, I haven't gotten there yet, but I I am definitely that is my goal uh, because we have our kids forever together, and you want to celebrate marriages in the future grandkids and uh, yeah. graduations etc all the milestones that are, are going to mean something absolutely yeah. no question yeah so yeah. but uh, in uh, the divorce prior to divorce i don't know who who initiated the divorce i did yeah i initiated the divorce uh and uh it, it wasn't you know in retrospect I, I i've gone back and forth about the guilt about how this was done yeah. I, I, I sort of ripped the bandaid off and okay. when I ripped the bandaid off and things kind of fell apart, you know, I mean, it was time. So in other words, the wound was festering for a couple of years already. Yeah. So when I ripped the bandaid off, the wound was already festered and probably infected. Let's just put it that way. And the school of thought from many were that, man, you could have done that gradually. Why did you have to do it so abruptly kind of thing? But as time has gone on, I realized that if I hadn't done that, we'd probably still be in that same dark place trying to make something work that, wasn't working in the first place. Yeah. So, you know, and I dealt with that. I have a lot of, I had a lot more guilt. I'm not going to say there's no remnants left, but I had a lot of guilt around feeling like I ripped away, not just something from my wife, but I ripped away the life that my children had become accustomed to, if that makes sense. Yeah. The family because, unit. Yeah I, yeah. I ripped that away from them. So they didn't have the same safeguards anymore. It wasn't the same world of mommy and daddy and, you know, they yeah. could go back and forth. And, you know, now it was all this, let's get it in writing. It's this weekend for this one. It's, the, I mean, it's something that they weren't used to. And yeah, I, I got to tell you, they've adapted beautifully, but sometimes I still worry, like, you know, what did we do? What did I do? Yeah. You know, and, and how are they going to turn out as human beings because of that? So now I do everything I can to make sure that they are stable uh, emotionally strong and mature human beings as they continue to grow because quite frankly i think they had to grow up just a little bit faster than anybody else in their age group that hasn't been through something like this yeah yeah i think everybody uh, either if it's a good divorce or bad divorce the the statistics says that 
they are equally affected by divorce because it's kind of like a loss or a mourning for both the parents, but yeah. especially for the kids because now you have two families. And I don't know, it, sometimes you come in with other people as well into a relationship mm -hmm. and, and the kids have to kind of like make sense of this stuff. And, yeah. uh, and I think uh, in my own case, my, my kids definitely been torn in the divorce and uh, it definitely affects them. Now, one thing that actually a positive, I always try to see the positives in situations, but uh, my, my kids have actually pulled together and uh, mm -hmm. they, they're all four very close together and th that bond has become tremendous, Stronger, I think. Yeah. And I think that's going to benefit them the rest of their lives. But there is definitely other things that are, that uh, have been strife and that that affects them. Now, yeah, 100%. Now, with, with the divorce, uh, prior to the divorce and now, have you learned anything that you believe that, that you have become whole or was missing prior? 100%. The, here's my biggest lesson. And you use the word whole, and that is a world that is paramount to what I'm about to say. What I didn't know then was that we were not whole people. Yeah. We were either using each other or relying on each other to fill some hole within the single person that's here and the single person that's there. Not realizing that we needed to be a whole person first before we can actually give our whole selves into a relationship that could be 100% respectful, loving, faithful, and reciprocal. So what I learned is that I'm never again going to downplay hide or um, water down what my true needs are that makes me feel good like a full human being like like I have a rich robust life inside first yeah that I can project outwards and that includes within the partner that I'm with so it's not that you know you don't need to be anything you don't want to be but I have to know that I need you to be a person that I can be with otherwise we can't be together and I wasn't willing or able or aware that I needed to express that so viscerally, so plainly uh, that we could actually build a relationship on that. And neither did she. And quite frankly, you know, she's from, a, from the era, from a school where she grew up where the awareness level wasn't there at all and nobody was talking to her. And I have to tell you, I'm, I was almost embarrassed at the time because I've been through coaches and mentors. I have many of them over the course of my life and I still didn't know crap Pair about what the hell I was doing in making a, a great relationship. I mean, it really sucks. <laughs> yeah. But that's my biggest lesson is that I, I wasn't whole. And when I, when I realized I wasn't whole, the spiral started to happen over the course of two years. And that's what led to the crash and burn of our marriage, quite frankly. We were not whole people. Yeah. And you usually say, I've said this before, I've heard somebody say that uh, you, what you project is what you attract. Mm hmm. So if you're a broken person, you, you have strife inside of you, you're dealing with issues, that is what can, you're going to attract That's another attract. person. And if you're a whole person and you have self-confidence, you, you know yourself, you've gone through the journey, you're going to attract a person of that. And I think for me, after the divorce was finalized i started dating too early i uh, myself mm -hmm. 
just started dating out of loneliness and uh, mm-hmm. just uh, went through a very difficult period, borderline depression. And I think a yeah. lot of people go through that. I don't know. Have you dealt with any uh, any of that? I, I don't know if I I don't know if I dealt with depression. I don't know if I would label it that. But you know what I will say is this: I think I dealt with a lot of shame more so here. A lot of shame yeah. around what my behavior was that that I thought was good. I didn't even realize that I could be selfish. You know, you said something that's not about broken person attracting a broken person. The worst part about that, Pierre, and you know, for whoever is listening right now, this is this is really what I want them, what I want your listeners to get, and and this is super valuable to me, and I think it's valuable to them. Is that I didn't realize that I was broken in some way. Don't oh, forget, yeah. I'm the coach. I'm helping. I'm lifting people all the time. Bro- yeah. I'm not broken. I am the most confident guy in the room. Right. Yeah. So here's this guy. He's so well spoken. Looks like he has his everything. You know, all in a row. A B C's. I's dotted, T's crossed, but I had this thing inside of me that I hid away or I, it's covered up by all the other accolades that people give me or, you know, I make a room of people feel good or I coach this client and they're on top of the world, but there's some place inside of me that I'm not taking care of and I don't realize how important it is. So I did not realize that there was something in me, no matter how small it was, that was broken, that would develop into a huge thing that would derail the most important relationship at the time in my life. Yeah. So that realization made me, it it, it made me feel shame during the moment of it happening. You know, I don't live with that shame anymore, but I did live with, so if you want to call that depression, fine. But I lived with that for quite a bit after the break of the marriage happened. I definitely did live with that shame. No question. Yeah. Shame is something that I dealt with. And uh, I definitely did not understand shame at all prior to, yeah. or maybe a little bit prior to the divorce, because I was shame, ashamed of going through a divorce. I had, my parents were married their whole life. They didn't have a perfect marriage. They struggled when uh, I was in my teens. and um, But they stayed married and the, the marriage got better and better. And the church I attended also, spoke very highly of staying married and not much about divorce. Yeah, uh, and uh, I understand that. <laughs> because of that, I felt that I failed because mm-hmm. uh, I had a divorce. I felt that that, that was bad. And uh, I stopped going to that church for a year and a half because I felt wow. so bad and I did not want to talk to my friends about the divorce. I felt really bad about, and mm-hmm. I felt that I failed. And I, sure. I was a failure. So that was extremely difficult to go through. And uh, that feeling of shame actually dissipated by me starting to talk to other people that I was safe with. My counselor yeah. said, reach out to a few of your closest friends and tell them that you would like to have somebody talk to you about this. And I did. And it was actually two, two, yeah, two, two other guys actually went through a divorce himself. So I feel safe talking about these things. And yeah. then uh, I started talking to play, uh, people on the airplane because uh, John Maxwell, who's my mentor, he has written a book, Everyone Communicates, Few Connect. And uh, I, I want to start learning how to connect with people in a, in a deeper way. So, and I travel a lot back to Sweden and back. So I have a lot of times with somebody besides me. So I started mm-hmm. to talk to that person, uh, just initiate contact, have conversations, start sharing about uh, my divorce. And like a year afterwards, I realized the shame is gone. 
I can talk yeah. to anybody about this. It's it's totally gone. And then I read a book from Brene Brown, uh, so a Texas author that is shame mm -hmm. researcher. Yeah, uh, I know her. Yeah, I just listened. I just listened to her six sessions on around shame. By the way. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's written many books. She has an amazing TED Talk, one of the most listened to in the world. And uh, she said, shame, whatever you're ashamed of, uh, you know, you want to keep that hidden. Yeah. And uh, then when you start sharing about what you're shameful for, the shame will dissipate. Disappear, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's what happened. And I realized that's what happened. I read that book afterwards and I realized what had happened. <laughs> you were laughing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I I agree. I totally agree. I listened to Brene Brown after my shame had also dissipated and and and, and then I, I listened and I laughed. I I listened to it in the car for about three days, just back and forth, all six sessions. And I, I, I just cracked up at the insights that were coming up. Yeah. Uh and, you know, it gave me goosebumps to listen to that. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. That was pretty awesome. So uh Going through the divorce, and uh, were there any specific problems that you had in the marriage that you feel that you own? Oh yeah, there's no question. So I I think that I wasn't I wasn't uh, present enough in the marriage. So and 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 it's not because of just the the, the job I had at the time. You know, at the time uh, most of the marriage I was working at. The, the, probably the biggest beauty company on the planet. And I, I was a director of sales in the last seven years of my role. And I was on the road a lot. Yeah. So she would be home with the kids. And I never really encouraged her to go outside of home and do anything else because I liked the convenience of getting up and leaving whenever I wanted to. Oh, You see? Yeah. So, so I definitely own that space right there. And then what would happen is I would come home, daddy would take everybody out to dinner and then he'd be the hero. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so I, I, I got the, she, she, during our arguments or, you know, our little tiffs back and forth, she would say things like, you know, you, you're like a weekend dad, you show up for all the fun stuff, but you're not here for all the other stuff that goes down. And when we get into that stuff, I'd say, you know what, I'm going to go play tennis. And then I'd go play tennis, Okay. <laughs> you know? So, so I had a, I had a knack for leaving before it got hot. Escaping. Because I don't, I don't argue. I don't yell really. I'm not a yeller yeah. and I don't, I don't talk down to, I don't see, here's the thing here. And this is, this is where the mistake came in because I don't yell because I don't label. Like I've never called her once out of her name, like the B word or anything yeah. like that. I don't do any of those. Those things are not in me. My father didn't raise me like that. So I don't do that at all. So because I didn't yell, because I always provided, I didn't never call their names. I don't, disrespect her or do any of those normal things that people would do to disrespect the person. Yeah. I felt that I had the right to leave when I wanted to out of a conversation. Okay. You see, yeah. I gave myself that right because I'm like, I've earned the right to walk away, even though you still have something to say that I don't want to hear. Okay. And it was because I thought I was the self-righteous taking the high road type thing. But what I was really doing was avoiding and um, distancing and also being indifferent to the way she might be feeling, whether it was wrong, right, or whatever. Um, I didn't give it air enough because I'm not going to argue with you. So I would just leave. Okay. So, and, and to me, that was a big, and, and the other thing was, I was also hiding that piece of me that, that I said wasn't whole. And part of that was, I, I, can I give you an example real quick? Absolutely. Yeah, I want to hear the details. Yeah, I'm so, so the here, investigator trying to, okay. to to get to the to the good stuff here. 
I didn't realize how much I resented my ex-wife. Okay. And here's the reason why. At this job that I held, I had a lot of perks. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I had an expense budget, had an Amex card. I had, I traveled a lot, but they also allowed you to bring your spouse on some of these trips. Okay. Okay. Now I worked, you know, I hope I can say this without anybody judging me, but I worked at a company that was predominantly women. Okay. Okay. And some of these women, they look really, really great. But here's the thing. I love my wife, right? Yeah. So I remember, and here's where the resentment really took off. I remember we had a trip to go to Hawaii for 11 days. We were doing a training. Then we had motivational speakers coming in. And they told us for the last five days of the trip, you could have your spouse come and they could come to everything you're going to. Yeah. She didn't come. Okay. And the reason she didn't come, she said, um, I have to be with the kids. And I'm like, the kids are four years old, three and four. My parents are happy to take them. Like, give the kids to my parents and let's go enjoy Hawaii. I'm like, when's the next time you're going to really be able to go away to Hawaii for a week? Okay? Yeah. And she gave me a whole bunch of crap about that, and she did not come. Now, that trip in particular, because we're at the Ritz-Carlton on the beach. I know it sounds really materialistic, but it's like the trip of a lifetime pair. Before that happened, there were several other trips where she gave me the same nonsensical excuse not to be with me on, on something. Yeah. And I resented her for doing that all the time. I learned just before, maybe like a year before we actually broke up, that her reason, her real reason for not coming on those trips is because she didn't want to feel like the dumbest person in the room. Think about that. Yeah. Here I am feeling resentment for her because she doesn't want to come with me or doesn't want to be with me. And I'm, I'm thinking she doesn't want to be with me yeah. kind of thing. That's my selfishness, right? Exactly. And, and, but I don't know what's going on. But she was having this struggle because, you know, my, my, my ex-wife, she, she had a, a GED that I helped her get. And then she's had this other, um, you know, certification that I helped her get. These are all things that I helped her get and, and things like that. I'd never realized how she felt about being in a room full of smart people, if you will, that I would hang out with all the time is the way she would put it. Like all these corporate folks that have MBA degrees and this, that, and the third, she didn't want to feel like the, the, the odd person out or like the dumbest person in the room. And that's why she never came. Yeah. When I learned that I was like, Oh my God, that that's the reason. Why didn't like, why didn't you ever tell me this? But did I ever I never gave her a chance to tell me, right? I went to play tennis. Oh, there you have the key. I had my convenient life, uh, you know? So and, how and will so, you change in the future relationship? I don't know if you're in the relationship now or, or in the future. Yeah, I, I am in a relationship now. The, the difference in this relationship now than any relationship I've ever had is that it's, for, it's a completely transparent relationship. And I can, and, and in other words, for me. Okay. Now, why do I say just for me? Because I've also learned not to speak for the other person, even if I believe the other person is being as transparent as I am, if that makes yeah. sense. So I can always speak for me because the one thing I can always control is my own beliefs, my own thoughts, my own emotions, my own actions. I can control all of those things. So I'm completely transparent in this relationship. I don't sugarcoat and I also don't avoid hard topics and I don't omit things because I think it'll make you feel better. Yeah. You know, it's called the lie by omission, if you will. So I don't omit things because I think it'll make you feel better, you know, and I also have learned how to, not necessarily vomit everything up all at once. Meaning, you know, uh, if, if I have a hard conversation I have with you, but 
it's not imminent that I need to have it now because something needs to happen in this moment in order to make it go away, I might choose tomorrow and say, okay, I'm going to talk to you tomorrow when we're here alone, nobody else is here, and we can have an open, honest dialogue about something that's going to be a tough conversation, but I will never let it slide. It's going to happen. But I also choose moments when those things should happen because I want, I want the other person, I want my partner to feel safe, secure, like you can have this conversation, like it's an open space for you to do that. Yeah. I'm not going to address you at the dinner table, you know, or make snide remarks or, in, or in, I don't do snide remarks or insinuations anymore. Yeah. And I don't insinuate anything. If, if I say something and you didn't get and say, what do you mean by that? I don't even take offense to it. I just tell you what I meant by that, you know? Because I don't mean any insinuation. I want you to know what I mean. So I actually will explain it. And I, and I also have learned here what I will and won't tolerate. And I cut those off very quickly. Like it doesn't even, my pain tolerance now for anything that is either disrespectful, crossing a line, not up to my standards is about this much. I think it's very important to have boundaries in a relationship because boundaries yeah. You know, it's like a home homeowner. If you don't have boundaries, anybody's going to walk into Anybody. your home. And uh, if you don't question that and you just just let people walk around in your house and they're not, not invited, you're going to have problems. And when you set Correct. boundaries, you actually uh, create respect uh, by yes. by you saying that this is a line. Don't step over that line. And and especially in romantic relationships, that you both know each other's lines. And, yes. Um, I just That's talked to a coach here the the other day, and uh, about a relationship, a romantic relationship. I think it's important for me. I think when you're married, you take things for granted in the relationship. When you're dating and you have girlfriend, boyfriend, and that, you 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 do that a little extra all the time. But that, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest things in in my relationship that we. We uh, took each other for granted, and uh, we did not nourish. We don't did not uh, water the grass, as you usually say, and uh, that right. that definitely became a, a spiral or a drain in in the marriage, where we didn't totally, take care totally of each other. That. And but I also think it's important that you grow up like two trees beside each other. Uh, that you have your own life. You you grow yourself. And de- definitely depend on each other and, and help each other uh, and promote each other. But I think it's important to have your own life as well. Have your own yes. friends as well. Every every friend doesn't have to be your common friends. And uh, have interests both together but also separate. And I also think that's separate important. Interests. Absolutely. That, that is truly important. Uh, you know, I, you said something, Peter, that I wanted to go back to where you said, uh, something about like taking things for granted or forgetting the small stuff. I think it's important for people to understand what the small stuff is, at least in your relationship. In other words, what means the most to, to, to another person? Because yeah. why am I saying that? I was never the guy that forgot anniversaries or birthdays or, you know, buying flowers just because. Yeah. I do that type of stuff because I'm a romantic guy, right? And trust me, there's no pat on my back. Here's, here's, here's the interesting thing. My ex-wife, you know what was her small thing? a walk in the park and running the fingers through the leaves or hugging a tree. Yeah. I didn't want to do that. So I bought roses instead. You see? So what's her love language? Works? Yeah. Her love. And I just, now uh, my partner and I, now we've read the five love languages. Yeah. Now she likes flowers in the house every week. So yeah. I buy her flowers almost every week because so that's giving. her small thing. You know, actually she is um, service. 
Service, okay. Acts, acts of service, because yeah. see, for, the flowers that I buy for her aren't for her, they're for the house. So, you know, if I clean the grill or I pressure wash the pool deck or something like that, she loves that type of stuff. That's yeah. her thing. Is you know, she, she comes home and the garbage is taken out and light bulbs change and the garage doesn't look the same way it did two weeks ago. All that stuff for her is like golden. But my ex-wife, um, she liked quality time. And I hadn't read the book then. I didn't even know that. But she, her thing is quality time. And quality time for her was with family and nature. Yeah. But here I'm buying her chocolates, roses, and flowers and, you know, crap like that, that she likes it, but it's not her language. No. no I but I did that so was important. Uh, and yeah. uh, I'm actually going to do a podcast with a, a psychologist or a, a counselor here in the next mm -hmm. uh, week or two. And yeah. uh, for all your listeners, every Friday I release a podcast with a coach or a counselor that has these amazing tips. So you listen in on those days. So, yeah, and absolutely. Uh, we're going to do, do a podcast just about the five love languages and the importance. Yeah, that, that's a really good book, by the way. Yeah, uh, and the importance of knowing that not only for your spouse, but uh, for your kids. How do you connect with your kids is mm -hmm. crucial. And if you don't know their love language, you don't know how to really connect with them. And uh, yes, I, they, they have the book both for romantic partners, but also for, for kids. And, uh, it's fairly easy. You can give them the test, uh, the kids, if they're a little grown up, or you can just uh, go through the questions and figure it out yourself through their yeah. actions. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's that's uh, very, very, very cool. But uh, so if we move over to your daughters, uh, have you figured out their love languages? Yes. Yeah? I have figured out, yeah. Th there's no <laughs> So what's their love languages? So... The love language for my older daughter, yeah. you know, she, she actually has two. Yeah. Most uh, everybody it, has a few stronger yeah. ones. Yeah. She has two that are really, really strong. And uh, one of them is gift giving. Yeah. Okay. One of them is gift giving and the other one is quality time. Yeah. Yeah. My second daughter, she also has the gift giving, it seems like pretty strong, but her other one is giving compliments. What's that one again? Affirmation affirmation yeah she loves uh, th that's definitely her love language and i and i because I, I i took them through the test a little bit without them knowing i'm taking them through a test and then i read it over for myself as well yeah and i figured out that that's what it is and when i so put it like this i've also tested it because when i behave in that way towards the both of them you know then i watch their responses yeah. and, and and they light up every single time and when i've re re behaved in other ways that would be in the respect of other love languages. They don't light up as much. It's okay, but it's not as cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is, that is their love languages. Yeah, I've learned a lot about them over the last couple of years too. So your relationship with your daughters, is it any difference from when you were married and compared to now? Have you gone through any strife uh, with connecting with your daughters? Yes, most definitely. So, you know, I, I, I made a few huge mistakes. Like, in the beginning, when we were, when we started going through the whole process of, you know, separating and divorce and all that, I was seeing them every weekend, which ended up turning into every other weekend. And then that turned out to be not good. Like it was just too long. Uh, and I didn't put it like this. It was another lesson where I didn't realize how much I needed them. Forget them needing me, how much I needed them. And I had to tell my ex-wife, I said, look, she's, cause she would say, you know, I, your children need their father. Yeah. And I'd say, no, 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 you don't understand. I need them. I need my children. 
you know? So they went through a period, I think, of sort of confusion as to what roles mommy and daddy actually play and what does actually mean. If daddy doesn't see us, but every other weekend or twice a month, is that supposed to be all right or enough? Uh, So they went through that because when we were together as a unit, it didn't matter how many days I was on the road and gone. They just knew I was coming home and mom was always there. So they didn't even recognize that even when, even when we lived together, they probably saw me consistently, maybe four times a month anyway, like consistently they saw me like two days in a row is what I mean. Only like two or three, maybe four times a month. They didn't even realize that because mom was always there. Right. But in this case now it's like, it's just mom. There's no dad. And then he comes and he gets us from somewhere. So that was a bit of a strife in the beginning. Now it's, it's a lot better now. My relationship with them, it's stronger. And if you ask me how it's changed is that remember when I said they both have, they both had to grow up a little bit faster. Yeah. I think some of the conversations that we probably would have tabled for later, just the context of it have been accelerated and, and, and moved up in, in, in our relationship being that they're, you know, they're tweens and I have to have certain conversations I've had to have more mature conversations with them than I probably would have had if we were all still a unit, if that makes sense. I think that's the biggest change. And the other big change is I've learned how to communicate with them and tell them the truth without having language in there that could potentially bash their mother. Yeah. If that makes sense, because I'm I'm never trying to bash their mother, but I also have to be careful with how I say something because they're smart enough to, to pull, to extrapolate their own meaning from what I'm saying. So you know, and I know it's possible to say something and not use mean words, but have the meaning be a mean thing. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It, it's uh, definitely, it can be difficult if you don't have a, a good relationship and the co-parenting is working in, uh, in a divorce. And uh, I think it's, uh, I think co-parenting is very important to go through co-parenting counseling and, and get the help and setting boundaries, learning about boundaries and uh, what, how to work things out in a divorce. And uh, I don't know if you have any experience with learning about boundaries, co-parenting, counseling. No, well, we, we didn't do that. And uh, she asked about that in the beginning and I refused. Well, why is that? Uh, I didn't even know. Yeah, I didn't even know that that, that that existed. She didn't ask about co-parent counseling. She said, we should talk to somebody about the help. Now here, see, this, this is me making that same. See, I won't make this mistake again because I've made it too often and I've, I've busted my butt too much. And the mistake was, again, I was thinking of the fact that I have coaches that I talk to. Okay. I have mentors and things like that. And I was talking to them already. So I, I didn't feel like I needed divorce counseling because I have my counselors already, but they're not necessarily divorced people that I need to talk to, but I refused to do it in the beginning. And then it got to a point where she didn't want to do it anymore. So we never did it. I don't even know if it's too late to do it now or not. I I have no idea. We're, We're just not on that page anymore to do it. But in retrospect, I wish I had done it. So for your listeners that are listening, I would implore you not to step into the same pitfall that I did. And, and do go to some kind of pre-divorce counseling and find out how to actually handle divorce in the most successful way. Because as great a coach as I might be and everything else, I had never been through a divorce like this ever before. So what would I know about how to navigate these channels, these, yeah. these areas, you know? I, I think uh, going through a co-parenting counseling course and not only one session. In Texas, it's a law that you have to take a course in, in uh, co-parenting. 
So mm-hmm. we had we both had to go through it, but uh, it was online and it was like it took a few hours to complete. But it's not enough. It's no. uh, you. You really, I think, need to take a longer until you start establishing boundaries. You start working together as a team to raise awesome mm-hmm. kids. I think it takes uh, takes that effort, and I encourage everybody, including you, to to try to. If everything isn't working perfect, uh, or it's never going to be perfect, but until you get things to smooth out in your relationship with your ex, you I think it. it's very very important to have a counselor that can guide you along the way. Because one of the best things we did, we had a a counselor for our family. So both me and my ex went there initially, and my youngest two daughters, they went there for two years uh, on a regular Mm. basis and saw the counselor. Because sometimes they need to talk to somebody else than uh, mom or dad about Mm -hmm. these issues, about their feelings, where they feel safe. And yeah. uh, that was definitely one of the best things. We did not go through much of co-parenting counseling. We started, but uh, I wish we, we, we could have gone through to learn how to set boundaries, to how to work things out in, in a productive way. Yeah, agreed. And I think, uh, I think for, for sure, I want to go forward. Like, you know, my, my kids maybe uh, go into counseling and things like that. And then, if I can get to the point where I get my ex-wife to agree for us to actually do seek some post counseling, yeah. which, which would make sense. Then I'm totally put like this. I'm open for all of those things. Yeah. Uh, if I can get on the same page with her to do that, because I really do think that's important. And that was a miss on my part, quite yeah. frankly. I love that you take responsibility. That's part of uh, gr- being an adult. And um, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's so uh, like for me, I, w- I was in the same situation uh, while we were married uh, my wife initially wanted to go to counseling for our marriage. And initially mm-hmm. I said, no, I, we don't need that. And it was just yeah. pride. And then yeah. after six months, uh, this is a few years before the divorce, I said, let's go ahead and go to to counseling. But it was just a bunch of pride. And uh, I think uh, to to seek help, a lot of men especially, I think it's a lot of pride, a lot of things, a lot of stigma uh, about going to somebody else to get help. But seriously, go and get help if you're struggling, either in your marriage or if you're going through a divorce and you're in a really bad place. Like uh, I interviewed another guy here just uh, a few days or last week, and he had so much bad thoughts. He was going through suicide thoughts continuously for for a long wow. time, he started drinking and having serious problems. And uh, his friends got mad at him because he, they didn't know he was going through this. And he didn't open up. He wasn't comfortable opening up about these things. Yeah. So That, but, that, uh, that, that really is... But for you, you know, when you crazy. said no about co-parenting counseling, was it any pride involved there? Or what was the reason? Oh, 100%. I mean, the, the co- I mean... I, there was definitely pride. That was my ego talking. Yeah. That was my ego saying, "Hey, listen, D, you've been a coach for this for all this time. You have your mentors who have your back already. You're good. You can. You got this. You can do this." Yeah. Not under. Not not. And by the way, it was also sort of hypocritical because the mentors I'm talking about are all people either they were in strong marriages or they weren't married at all, uh, and they hadn't been through this terrible divorce ordeal. And if they had, it was a long, long time ago. So what would they know to tell me now anyway? But I use that as my out. Oh, okay. 
you know, I use it as my out. Yeah. I, now, look, in the moment of me saying it, I didn't realize any of this. This is all hindsight view right now. This is me looking back in a yeah. rearview mirror going, you idiot. You know, you think you know everything, but you didn't. Yeah. And you, you, you probably should have done that because, you know, you wouldn't have gone through some of the pain that you've gone through now. And now, you know, you're, you're two and a half years into a divorce that should have been done a year and a half ago. Yeah. So you are you going to uh, talk to your ex about uh, co-parenting counseling? Yeah, I'm going to do that. Uh, now, when am I going to do that? So, so we're, right now we're kind of at a stalemate okay. with the parenting plan okay. and the one she wants to file with the judge. So I know I won't be able to talk to her about that until we get that off the table yeah. because I've actually you know, filed for 50-50 custody, yeah. uh, meaning one week on, one week off. We only live 20 minutes away from each other. Yeah. And I, so I can take the kids to school. I, we did this for the whole summer. And I think that what came out of it was she didn't expect me to or thought I would actually keep that up when the kids started school again. Yeah. And when they did, I said, I don't want to change it. I like it. Yeah. So I was taking them to school every day that they were with me during the school week. Uh, and I, I, I think she doesn't want that Okay. Uh, for whatever, re- whatever her reasons are. You know, yeah. she has her own reasons. Uh, none of that was said to me. So that's where we are right now. So we need to take care of that piece first because that's important for my children. Yeah. Uh, and me being there every other week, complete week with their school and all that stuff. That's super important to me because I recognize that I need to be a fully involved and engaged dad. And I can't do that every other weekend. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. I think like in Texas it's very common to have one person has the custody, uh, the main custody is mm-hmm. different rules uh, in Texas compared to the rest of the U S I guess. It's a usual Texas thing. <laughs> yeah, the, the Texas thing. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but they're more for having one uh, the kids in one home uh, when mm-hmm. they're in school. So fifty-fifty uh, is quite uncommon. It's less common in Texas, but in Sweden, where I'm from, fifty-fifty is the most common. And I've right. been debating back and forth the benefit of having the fifty-fifty, or I can see the benefit of both. But for me as a man, I, I feel that I have been robbed of time with my kids during these five years because I have not been able to spend the, the regular time, you know, taking them to school. These, these types yeah. of things that is part of life, being able to exactly. cook together, hang out together. I only see them every other weekend. And uh, that is for me, a loss, definitely, that I've been mourning. Yeah. It's it's uh, something that I miss, and I, I really yeah. wish I could have gotten more of that time. I can't change the past, but I can definitely change the future, and I, I want to spend yeah. more time with the kids. So, The thing I will consider is this, too. Being a person that, that is obsessed with improving significantly the power of influence that any person has to help a person move the needle in their lives positively and progressively forward. I already know that this is the right thing to do for my kids because this way I do get a chance to influence them in the way I think that they should grow. And now their mom and I could agree on a lot of things. And the other thing is that you can actually write that into your divorce decree that co-parenting will be part of it if you agree on it. That's what we did. We wrote it into our divorce decree and we even named the counselor in there. Yeah. But, uh, that, that's what that's the part she doesn't want to do right now she yeah. she she says uh, i can i can come and get the children anytime i want to but she doesn't want to put it in the in the in the, in the decree but then just last week you know i mean not tattletale but just essentially what she did was she got mad at me and changed her mind yeah 
See, no, and, I think and, and it's important is, to have it in writing, uh, yeah. to have very specific, because sometimes emotion uh, gets involved and uh, either party can, can start changing things. So I think it's very important to have it in, in writing. And Now, yeah. to, uh, we're going to round this podcast off here, and uh, I just want to ask you a, a last question here. If you have a person right now listening to this podcast and he's just gone through divorce, similar situation as you uh, started about three years ago, and he's in, in a very bad place, a lot of uh, loneliness, a lot of these things, shame. Uh, what mm-hmm. would you tell this person that's sitting there? It's a, it's a guy in his 40s. Yeah. And he has kids. He, he, he misses his kids. Yeah. What would you say? Well, the first, I would say a few things, but the first thing I'd say is, hey, man, listen, trust me when I tell you, you are not alone. Yeah. You're not alone. You have a whole community of other men in your situation right now that would love to not just connect with you, but send you good vibes because you're not alone in this process. That's number one. Number two, be brave enough, courageous enough to own 100% responsibility in the breakup of your marriage. I don't care who did what, when, and how. Just take 100% responsibility for the way that it went down. Because if you don't take 100% responsibility, you can't work on the actual stuff. Yeah. That's going to be very, very difficult for you to do if you don't take 100% responsibility. Yeah. And then the third thing I would say is forgiveness. Forgive yourself and forgive your ex. Forgive yourself and forgive your ex. And you know, people think that forgiveness is for the forgivee. No, forgiveness is for the forgiver. Yeah. So you can move on with your life. Yeah. You know, because if you don't forgive, you can't move on. And number four is I would say no labels. Understand that the people that were in this relationship, you and your ex-wife are both truly amazing people. And I mean that. This is not fluff. You're amazing people. Maybe your behavior didn't match the real person that you are on the inside. Maybe your behavior didn't match that. But one thing you can change is your behavior. What you can't change is the essence of you. And the essence of you is beautiful. The essence of you is amazing. So understand that, okay? And number five is, I would say, take massive action towards the outcome you really want to happen. Take massive action towards the outcome you really want to happen. And that's what I would tell that person right then and there. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, all of these are very important. And... um, First of all, the not alone is definitely initially in a divorce extremely important and more so I think for men because a lot of women, they know how to connect with people. Men in general has a little more difficult reaching out and asking for help. Reach out for help. Call, call a friend yeah. that you trust and share. Uh, I think it's important to pick a friend with care though that, uh, that you trust that is not going to go in and uh, tell other people but that you can share your heart with. Mm-hmm. It is so important. And reach out to a counselor or, or a coach that uh, can help you along the way. And a coach is very powerful because that is about now and the future. A counselor is usually more about dealing with past trauma. And uh, a, a counselor a lot of times can help you deal with past trauma. If you've had things in your past, uh, maybe you, when you grow up, things that is actually f- making you miserable. But a, a coach, they help you along the way to set up goals and to take this massive action, which is so important to take. You don't have to take massive action every day. You take a little bit of action every day, and that becomes massive action over uh, Turns into the next a massive month, thing, yeah. over the next year. 
but to take action one step every single day. Yeah. And that's what the coach can help one you to keep time. you accountable to, the, to what you want to achieve. And forgiveness, I agree 100%. Because if you keep keep all the for, uh, unforgiveness inside of you, it's just becoming this big, ugly thing inside of you. But if you every day forgive, uh, forgiveness is, I believe, a decision. It's it's not something that you have to feel. It's something that you have to decide to forgive. Uh, you, I decide to forgive. The feeling decide. comes afterwards. You might not, if it's something that is really, really bad that's happened to you, uh, definitely it's going to take time to feel uh, good about it. But to take the step and say, I forgive, is so powerful. And uh, I'm a Christian myself, and uh, it's very biblical to be quick to forgive that's what it says in the Bible. So I think that's awesome. Such a great time to hang out with you, Dean. Yeah, this is cool. Pierre, thank you for having me here, man. I appreciate it. This was, you know, I always take reverence in any moment that I get to share anything, any part of my story that I truly think will help people and that you, and you believe that. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm honored. Thank you. I'm I'm in gratitude to you because if this is going to help even one guy out there not fall into the same pitfalls or come out of the dark place that he's in, and even if it helps a woman, fine. Hey, listen, I'm all for it. I get goosebumps every time I know I'm doing something that really moves the needle forward for people. And this is one of those moments. So thank you for actually giving it to me. I appreciate it. Uh, It's awesome. And I just want to invite everybody again. Uh, The podcast is uh, Rocking Life After Divorce, but then we also have the community connected where we help each other, we grow together. And uh, Rocking Life, uh, you can just search on Facebook after Rocking Life After Divorce uh, group and uh, join. And uh, you're so welcome to join. It's a free group where we support, we we help each other. We have regular teaching. So come in, in and join us. And I'm so honored that you're listening now to this podcast. And uh, we will together help each other grow. So you all have a a great day. And thank you again, Dean, for this uh, amazing communication and that you're so open and vulnerable. My pleasure. Thank you, Pierre.